Welcome to Let's Talk Memoir, a podcast for memoir lovers, readers, and writers. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today, my guest is Melissa Gould. Melissa Gould's memoir, Widowish, is an Amazon bestseller and editor's pick for best memoir, a Goodreads top book of 2021, and has been named one of Book Authority's 100 best grief books of all time. Her essays have been published in the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, the Hollywood Reporter, BuzzFeed, and more. She's an award-winning screenwriter who has worked on shows such as Bill Nye the Science Guy, Beverly Hills 90210, Party of Five, and Lizzie McGuire. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much, Ronit. It's so nice to talk to you. Oh, it's so great to have you here. And when I was reading Widowish, I thought, you know what? I have got to delve here with Melissa and figure out <laughs> all the workings of this memoir. And, you know, for people who haven't read your memoir yet, although I'm sure the title gives a little bit of a hint, can you just share a little bit about covering what, what the time period is and what it's about? Yeah. So Widowish is about losing my husband very unexpectedly. Um, he had just turned 50 years old. He ended up uh, dying of West Nile virus and complications of multiple sclerosis. But he spent three weeks in the hospital in a coma. And the doctors were working furiously the entire time to try to figure out what was making him so sick. I became a widow young and unexpectedly, and we had a 13-year-old daughter at the time. And I came up with this idea that I was widow-ish because, as I mentioned, I was young and I didn't look like a widow, you know, mm -hmm. whatever that means. And mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily acting like a widow because we had a young daughter and I was really intent on keeping her on track of her life. But I felt like a widow. I still feel like a widow. It's been eight years. I will always feel like a widow. I miss my husband desperately, mm -hmm. even though, you know, life has moved forward. But it was all of those factors that I felt like I was widow-ish. People didn't quite know what to make of me. And my memoir covers pretty much that whole first year of my widowhood. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're a TV writer. And so I, I usually ask guests, what made you decide to write your memoir or when did you know you were going to? And I'm wondering at what point in your grief process, and I know that's an ongoing process, mm -hmm. at what point did you start to think, I might share this story? Well, you know what happened, Ronit? I was deep in my grief, and I, I write about this in, in Widowish, but mm -hmm. I, I joined a writing group. A friend of mine encouraged me to join a writing group. That was something that was just for me. It was kind of just to like get me out of the house, mm -hmm. do something that wasn't completely revolving around my daughter. And writing was a way back to myself. But what happened is the same friend started to encourage me to write about my grief. And as a screenwriter, it never occurred to me ever to write personally or to write mm. about anything about myself. It just was not in my wheelhouse. It, it, but I tell you, like, it literally never occurred to me. But when she mentioned that, that I was going through so much as a, as a 
widow and as what I call an only parent, I just had so much to say on the topic of my grief and being a widow in the world and the things that people would say to me, like I couldn't believe. So I started writing what became essays. And the more I wrote these essays, the more I realized how healing it was to actually get my feelings out on the page. And it was to the point where like when I would run into people and they would say, how are you? You know, mm. and it's like, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand mm -hmm. to like be there and have the conversation in the middle of Trader Joe's. So I would say, you know mm. what, give me your email. I'll send you something I wrote. Mm. And I just started sending people what I didn't, I wasn't calling them essays at the time, but they were. I kept getting these amazing responses from people and my email list kept getting bigger and bigger. And <laughs> eventually I was connected with the people at the Huffington Post. And I started a column at the Huffington Post and I was mm. publishing my essays pretty steadily for, for a good year probably. But while I was publishing my essays on the Huffington Post, I started pitching them to other places. And I really just had so much to say. I mean, I was an endless well mm -hmm. of grief and healing writing. And like, literally somebody could look at me a certain way and I would write an essay about it. Mm -hmm. I could <laughs> stub my toe and I wrote an essay about it. Like there mm -hmm. was, it's like I tapped into something. And just to kind of wrap up this idea of, of the memoir, what happened is I started publishing my essays in the Los Angeles Times. You mentioned a lot of them, the Washington mm -hmm. Post, Buzzfeed, and every time I pitched, an outlet, they would accept my piece. Mm -hmm. And that includes the New York Times. Mm -hmm. But what happened with the New York Times is I pitched them my essay, they accepted it, it was published. And in that essay, I write about the last gift that my husband gave me, which is connected to Bravo TV, it has to do with the Real Housewives. <laughs> and um, Andy Cohen ended up reading my essay. And he loved it. And then he read it out loud on his Sirius XM radio show. Mm. And then I really started hearing from people from all over the place, and which I was anyway. But I kind of felt like, wow, if Andy Cohen, who, yeah. <laughs> who is like my, you know, he's my icon. Yeah. Um, I thought, wow, if what I wrote speaks to him and he's not a widow and he wasn't a parent at the time. Right, right. I thought maybe... I should just keep going maybe like and the truth is also Ronit like I had been published in all of the top tier places so mm. I was kind of like where do you go I, I it's like <laughs> I've been in the Washington Post I've been in the LA Times I've been in the New York Times now and then the, mm -hmm. so I was like what else is left I thought well maybe I should write a book like maybe mm -hmm. I have a whole story to tell instead of like these little essays about these isolated instances mm -hmm. I can really put together an entire narrative of what it has been like as a widow. Yeah. And that's and, what happened. Yeah. And so it seems like such a, I mean, I don't want to underplay the, the effort it took to write this, of course. But when you tell it this way, it almost seems like a seamless transition, uh, it, like sort of a given that you would do this because you'd already done so much hard work. And I was going to ask you if you had second thoughts before you decided to publish your memoir because of the family connections and the personal nature of the story, which is, you know, it's a theme for a lot of memoirs to think about that. But right. you'd already revealed so much. So I wonder, you know, maybe it's an interesting question to ask you anyway. Were there any hesitations you had? any relationships in your family that you had to 
sort of make sure were oh right and and good with this before you did the book or were you kind of just like gangbusters you know how do I put this like the person I was most concerned about was my daughter mm-hmm. because she was 13 when her dad died and you know that that's a rough age anyway like 13 yeah i mean you write about that in your mm-hmm. memoir too like mm-hmm. it is it's a rough time even if you're in a family that is fully yes. together and supportive and loving and whatever those teenage years are rough and so i was really primarily concerned with how i was going to tell my story in a way that kept my daughter's safe and protected and mm-hmm. by that i mean like i didn't want to tell her story or tell her version of events it was just the two of us so she was you know intricately involved in my story but i really wanted to keep her out of it in a way mm-hmm. and i think i did that but but my scenes with with her were the ones i cared most about in terms mm-hmm. of sharing the the truth of what we experienced but also not making it about her in those moments. Mm, and um, mm-hmm. so that was that was the trickiest part for me. And then also there's one scene in Widowish where I am in the hospital with my father-in-law. Mm-hmm, I and um, it's a real gut-wrenching scene. Um, but it felt I, I felt it was very important to include in the story. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little bit nervous, but it's not like I asked anybody for permission. Everybody knew I was writing a book. And to your point, what you just said, you know, I had been writing all of these essays. So everybody in my life at one point or another had been included in in a number (laughs) of the essays I've written. So, and they all know that I made my living as a writer. So even though, yes, I was writing screenplays and and, which is fiction, you know, Mm -hmm. you incorporate real aspects of your life into a lot of those, you know, scripts and things like that. I mean, this was very different because it, you know, it is a memoir and it is real and these things mm-hmm. actually happened. But I never, like I said, I never really asked for permission. I didn't feel like I needed to. Nor did I want to be like um, hindered in a way from sharing my experience. Hmm. Yes, yes. And I think that memoirists, because it, it does come up and I know it's come up in on this podcast too, in interviews about that idea of what is ours to tell and how do we approach loved ones when we want to share stories that have to do with them. With the book being out now and your experience for so long writing these essays and navigating your daughter's privacy and what she needs, do you have, do you feel like you have tips you could offer even right now to listeners, something they can check in with themselves about if, if they are writing about their children, something that they can kind of turn to as a guide I mean, the way I see it as a memoirist and as a storyteller, you know, for me, I I wrote Widowish for me because it was a way for me to express my grief and it was such a huge part of my healing and it ultimately made me feel better and helped me process what life was. And so I think if you start to consider the people who may or may not read your words, may not read your writing or may be included in your writing, I find that to be a great deterrent. 
because <laughs> it really, you can start feeling self-conscious about what you're writing. It could inform how you're writing in ways you're not even aware of. Like for me, I think it's about really getting the truth out on the page in a, and it's your truth or, you know, Widow Witch is my story. It's my version of events. If somebody feels differently, they can write their own story and, you know, depict me however they feel I was in their version of events. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. I don't, I, I could not be overly concerned with how I felt my story might be received because I think that that would prevent me from writing anything yes. ever. Yes. You know, it's like, I, again, my story happens to be one of grief and healing. I think people write their stories for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, again, my, I just felt like I am going to forge ahead in a way that is honest and truthful and real for me. So then how has your understanding of your story changed over time? You know, as you write it, it becomes something I find. And then over time, especially because right before we started recording, we were talking about how readers have felt like they know you and that, you know, you're in the world in this way because of your book, your memoir. But that's, you know, I would say that's not the whole story of who you are. So right. I guess if you can address that and also the idea of how is your understanding of what happened to you and your family changed or not changed over time since you wrote the book? Well, I will say that I am so pleased that my book has resonated with so many people. Like, that's the other thing to sort of piggyback what we were just saying about like, writing truthfully and writing like your own story versus anticipating how other people might receive it. Um, I had no idea that my story would strike a nerve with people I've never met, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like, I didn't, I think it falls under the umbrella of again, like, I wasn't thinking of my audience, I was thinking of myself. And the healing, how healing it was for me to write my story. What I didn't anticipate is how healing it would be in sharing my story with people who found it resonant in ways I never would have expected or anticipated. Like that has been such a gift. Mm -hmm. And that includes people in my family who, again, I didn't ask anybody's permission. So by the time, you know, Joel's family or friends of mine, read the book it was already like in galley form like it wasn't changing mm -hmm. you know i wasn't like seeking anybody's opinion about my work um until it was like long after the fact mm -hmm. <laughs> i was just so happy that my family my friends my husband's family they were so pleased and happy with all of it and they you know, and, and I've said this in so many interviews, Roni, and 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 in, in subsequent writing I've done since Widowish came out, but writing Widowish, talking about Widowish, having conversations like this one, these are the things that keep my husband close and alive. And that is everything. Like I never saw any of this coming. Mm. You know, I really mm. just wrote from a place of this is really healing work and this is I'm doing this for it's I don't, it sounds kind of selfish, but it, 
but I don't no, mean I don't it that think way. So. No, I but, don't think so. I think that you're saying that it doesn't, you know, you weren't score settling. You weren't whining. You weren't trying to make people feel a certain way. You wrote it for yourself. Right. Because it was, that's what, where my healing was found in, in, in writing this story. It was the most healing thing I could have done for myself. And I didn't know any of that until I was past it, mm-hmm. you know, so it's been, it's, it's been amazing. It really mm-hmm. has been amazing. Mm-hmm. And you've gone on to lead workshops. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I just did one last night. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the other part of it too, is like, I feel like grief requires witnessing. And I think people really feel a need to find community. There's healing in all of that. And I write about that in Widow Wish too. Like I was the most reticent joiner of any kind of community. Right. Like I did not want to meet other widows. I didn't, you know, even going to my writing group, which I talked about briefly, like I was like above it all. But the truth is like once I let my guard down and once I acknowledged like you know what, this isn't so bad. Like, it's nice talking to another widow. Like, Mm -hmm. my world opens up. And that includes these workshops that I lead, um, which, you know, people are funny because they they always write to me ahead of time, like, I'm not a writer and I'm nervous and I don't want to share what I wrote. And the truth is, it's not really about what you write. You know, Mm -hmm. I tell everybody in my workshops, don't worry if your writing is good or bad. When you're writing about your feelings, there's no such thing as Mm -hmm. good, bad, wrong, right. Like, it's just how you're feeling. And the writing is really a conduit to the healing that I think is so important to grievers, you know, like that, Mm -hmm. that for me is what, what did it like, that's what was so helpful. And that's what I just try to impart upon the people who take my workshop is how healing writing can be. Right. And and it's important to note that a lot of those people have not written, maybe even since school, written anything oh, exactly. creatively or emotional or personal since they were in school. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, you know, people get so scared and so nervous. And it's like, you know, and I, I understand, you know, sometimes it's hard just to go around in a Zoom meeting and introduce yourself like mm-hmm. that for a lot of people is difficult. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine if I'm like then talking about and giving writing prompts about your grief, but but it's it's funny because at the end of the workshop people and then people write me and and send me messages and it's like it exceeded all of their expectations because it was so healing for them to spend mm, that yeah. those few hours together working on their grief in a very supportive warm and healing environment like yeah they're not alone right. and they're being witnessed Exactly. And it's just sort of this, this warmth, I would imagine this sort of just like current that takes everyone who's there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and there's and it's like finding community in this shared grief experience that's really powerful. And I don't think I, I can't even see a time when that won't be necessary when coping with a loss like this. Oh my God, Roni, there are people in my workshops, you know, it's not exclusive to, to widows. It's usually mm-hmm. the majority of people, but you know, I have, there was, I've had a few people who have lost children who there was um, a woman recently, a young woman who lost both of her parents. There are people who lost their best friend. I had somebody last night who just got a devastating diagnosis of their own. Mm-hmm. That's what they were grieving. Um, I've had people grieving 
mental illness in their families. In other words, it's not necessarily just people who have died. There are people grieving for all kinds Mm -hmm. of reasons, you Mm -hmm. know, and that I find so interesting too, because there's not a person walking this earth who has not experienced some kind of grief. Mm -hmm. So what do you do with all of that? You put so much energy and attention into providing a space for others and for thinking about grief. So how do you take care of yourself? And this is relevant to a lot of writers who are working with difficult topics and difficult experiences that they're writing. How do you take care of yourself? That's such a good question. I mean, I think because I trust in the process of writing and I find it extremely cathartic and when I'm with these groups and hosting these workshops, I see how healing it is for all of these people who we're discussing there, you know, a lot of them are nervous just introducing themselves, Mm -hmm. but by the end of it, it's like, okay, we got to wrap things up. We got to, you know, like (laughs) they're talking, they're engaged. I guess that's, that is what I always walk away with. Like, wow, that was so powerful. That was so great. Like the energy, it's not like a, yeah, it's not like a negative kind of energy. Like it's sad initially. I, mm. I wouldn't even call it like, I think for, for my, for the participants, they're feeling sad. They're feeling grief, you know, mm. when they walk in the door, but by the time they leave, it's like, there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. And there's right, just, it like makes the grief more livable, right? More endurable. Yeah. There's some kind of magic that happens where, you know, it's not like it ends and everybody's like, uh, like feels wiped out and drained. It's like mm-hmm. you feel elevated in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that clarification. I think that's true. Uh, because I, I too have worked on parts of writing that are more difficult than others to, to work on. And I have had, you know, this conversation with other memoirists about how do you take care of yourself. And there's only been one or two times where I had to step personally away from something I was working on, because it was really heavy. Most of the mm. time, I'm, I think the the act of creating and writing is its own kind of healing too so I feel like I I understand what you're talking about that that energy you get from other people and the the writing process and the sharing process is you know buoys you absolutely so these days you know I want to talk about where Widowish is going next but what is something that you find challenging in your own writing even at this stage is there something that always kind of catches you up or you you have to pay extra attention to as a writer even after all these years I would say it's probably like what every writer has the same um like lament, which is really just focusing and like (laughs) sitting down and doing it. I used to be so much better at it. And I think because it was, you know, how I made my living, like I was always very disciplined and I was always like, if I had a deadline, I was always, you know, early. And Mm -hmm. I, it's like, I just, it's my job being a writer, which I think is such a luxury, by the way, that I have made my living this way. But I think just focusing these days, I don't know if it was like COVID or just the internet, you know, writing on my computer, and then I get these like dings and alerts. And it's like, I'm constantly checking. So it's like really to just like turn everything off, focus, and get it done. Like Mm -hmm. that to me is is the most challenging in ways that it hasn't been previously. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And where is Widowish now in the process of, you know, I know that you have some plans for Widowish and its next steps. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, it was optioned by a production company to be developed into um, a TV series. And 
it's thrilling and it's so exciting and it's so interesting to me that it's almost like full circle because, yeah. you know, I started as a screenwriter. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's like the good and the bad is that I know Hollywood really well. <laughs> I know the way these things go. I mean, if I was a little bit naive to the process, believe me, I'd be like popping open champagne yes, every single yes. day. Like, oh my God. You know, but I, but I have a healthy dose of, of, Cynicism is too strong a word, but it's like, we'll see what happens. Exactly. Like, like, I hope it happens. I Mm -hmm. would be thrilled, elated. Oh, it would be so great to see that in in a series. Would you want to be a writer on it? Um, Well, well, that's all. um, Yes, yes. But in your heart of hearts, would you want to, would it be fun, I guess, beyond what agreement ends up happening? Do you see, do you feel yourself called to working on a series that, that would deal with your book or no? You know what? I'll tell you, Roni, and this really is the truth of it. If I saw Widowish as a TV show or a movie, I would have written that already. Like, okay. that, I, like I would yeah. not have written a memoir. I would right. have written a script. Yeah, and right. I really thought, I think that was what was so interesting to me also as an observer of my own process is that, you know, I started writing those essays. It was amazing. It all culminated with my memoir. But at any time during those years, if I had seen it as a script that's what I would have done that would have been easier for me in a way I had never written a book before you know I didn't have a literary agent in that sense I had a Hollywood agent like there's a big difference to me um but do you know what I mean like had I seen it that way that's what I would have done so we'll see as things progress I mean I'm definitely involved um to the degree that I'm comfortable um yeah we'll we'll have to see what happens but whether I'm involved or not it is thrilling and, and so I hope thrilling. it happens. But the other part of it is, listen, there are so many books out in the world that don't become movies until years and years and years and years after they've been published. Hmm, Do you know what true. I mean? So there's no like, yes, but I love it to happen today, of course. But if it happens in 10 years, great. It's still relevant 10 years from now. Yes. Yes. So Unfortunately, I, grief will always be relevant. Yeah. Do you have memoirs that you really love or that you return to or that are that you could even call your favorite in our last few minutes? Um, you know, it's funny. I am not really a lover of nonfiction work. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, did I read and love Eat, Pray, Love? Yes, I did. Like, I loved Glennon Doyle's. I don't know if it was her first book, but I loved Love Warrior. Mm-hmm. I loved Wild by Show. But these are like, you know, like the big name, marquee, educated, loved it, made, mm-hmm. loved it. But it's not, you know, it wasn't until I realized, oh, maybe I should write a, a memoir of my own. Did I really start reading them? Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't a genre I was that familiar with. And I felt like, God, I maybe should see how this is done. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, you know, it's, I think, and I write about this in Widowish too, when my husband died, you know, prior to that, I was an avid reader. I mean, I had a book club. I ran the book club, mm-hmm. we, but we mostly read fiction and we got together like once a month and we were constantly reading. I was always from a young, young age, like as a little girl, I always had a stack of books on my nightstand. Like I was an avid reader. And then when my husband died, all of that stopped. Mm. So... I just have never, I haven't, I just haven't gotten back to it yet. Like to Mm -hmm. my love of books and reading, like that's another weird thing about grief. Like it affects you in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And reading 
was one of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just haven't gotten back to, I'm so enthusiastic about writers. I love seeing people I know and in our writer community. I love reading about everybody's successes and the things that they're working on and that they're doing. It's it's so wonderful to see all of that. But in terms of my being a reader, like I'm just not the reader that I used to be. Mm-hmm. So, and that, and that plays into like the memoirs I have or, or haven't read or should be reading. That I well, I'm, as my, as my father always says, don't should on yourself. You know, you do what you can. <laughs> <laughs> have you not heard that before? It's like classic yeah. Jewish wisdom. Don't should on yourself. Um, <laughs> or maybe just my father's wisdom. In our final minute, do you have a parting word of advice for writers or memoirists? Well, I think I said it, which is you have to, to write your story for yourself and try not to get caught up in the expectations of like how your work might be received or how so-and-so might feel if you include them in the book in a way that's not so nice. Or it's mm-hmm. like, if you can quiet all of those voices that are basically negative, you know, and just, just be truthful, be honest, be true to yourself first and foremost. And then I think the rest will all just kind of fall into place. Thank you for that. And where can people find you, Melissa? Where's the easiest and best place for them to connect with you? Well, I, I try to post, uh, I'm fairly exclusive to Instagram. So mm-hmm. I'm at Melissa Gould underscore author. You can also find links to, to my Instagram and where you can buy Widowish and all of that stuff on my website, which is widowish.com. And my book is available on Amazon and really wherever books are sold. You can get it at your library. I love the library. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, widowish.com is is where you can basically find me and, and links to all the kind of stuff I'm doing to links to my workshop and Great. things like that. Thank you. I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. And I want to thank you for being my guest. I just love talking with you. And this was really fun. Thank you so much, Ernie. This was great. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk Memoir. For more about this episode and my guest, please visit the link in the show notes or on Instagram at Ronit Plank. That's R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. If you liked this episode of Let's Talk Memoir, please go ahead and share it with your friends and subscribe. And if you have two more seconds, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, which really does help other people find the show. Thank you so much for being here.